Welcome everybody back into Down the Line. As always, I'm Carson Brabber, and today it's going to be a little bit of a quick show, but we have to do something because the U.S. Open is one day away. We have the draws. It's very exciting. So today, I'm basically just going to highlight a few things that I'm excited for and make a few bold predictions on both the men's and the women's side. So starting broadly with the men, with things that I'm just excited about when I look at this draw, when I think about what's at stake here. Obviously, of course, the potential for Novak Djokovic to achieve the Grand Slam. That goes without saying, but we've talked about that sufficiently throughout the year, and you know what? If it actually happens, we'll talk about it plenty more then. But there are a few more interesting dynamics that involve Djokovic in certain ways, directly and indirectly, and one of them is his first-round matchup against Holger Rune, because... Seeing Holger Rune here in the main draw of a slam is pretty exciting. He had to qualify, but he did so successfully, obviously. If you're not familiar, he was the number one junior in the world for a good bit of time. He's only 18, and he just really started consistently playing on tour this year. He shot up the rankings, just won back-to-back challengers, and is a really talented player. So, obviously... I don't expect him to push Djokovic in any conceivable way, but seeing how he handles the stakes, the physical test of a best-of-five match, just the pressure of going up against, obviously, a guy who is playing at such an unbelievably high level right now and who is such an overwhelming favorite, that's a dynamic for him that is, I would imagine, somewhat unfamiliar because even, again, when he's on these challenger tours or even if he works his way into 250, he's never the underdog quite like that. So that'll be interesting. We'll see how he handles it mentally. We'll see just how he looks on the tennis court, and I'm very excited for all of that. I also think that a fascinating dynamic to look out for is who emerges as that primary challenger for Novak. Right now, the most likely quarterfinal matchup for him is Berrettini, who obviously we saw face off against him in that Wimbledon final, and then in the second quarter of the draw, so still on that top half, you have Zverev, you have Shapovalov. Obviously, there's an abundance of talent. You have Sinner in there as well, and then on the other half of the draw, you have the Medvedevs, the Rublev, the Tsitsipasas. So I'm just fascinated by all of this. I feel like I already gave my breakdown last week of that next four guys and how phenomenal they have been, that being Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, and Rublev. And I'm very excited to see who can actually pose that most formidable test. A bunch of guys who are great hardcorders, but obviously Novak is the hardcorder. So we'll see how they step up. I will shout out a couple of those guys who do intrigue me, though. I'm fascinated by the idea of a Sinner-Zverev fourth-round matchup because they are in the same section there. I think that would be phenomenal. Zverev has been playing at such a high level as of late. Sinner has been playing at such a high level this year as a whole, and at 19 years old is just a different breed and one of the most talented players at that age that we've seen in a long time. So that would be exciting. And then I do want to see specifically how Berrettini performs because after he had that fantastic run at Wimbledon, We've only seen him once. He lost second round to Felix Ojaliasim in Cincinnati, but he's had an incredible year overall. He's 33 and 8. So I'm fascinated in seeing how does he bounce back. Again, he would have Djokovic in the quarterfinals. So if he's going to make a really deep run, he's got to beat the king, the lion, to do so. I wouldn't bet on it, but I'm interested in seeing how he handles that if he's at least able to get to that point because his first real notable slam result was here at the U.S. Open a couple years ago when he made the semis. So clearly he's a guy who plays very well on fast surfaces, big server, big forehand, and we'll see if he can replicate that formula here. So those are some things that I'm just interested by. When it comes to my bold predictions, I'm going to give three for the men and three for the women. And again, these are bold. They're a little bit out there. So if they don't happen... Don't hold it against me because I went out on a limb and I took a big swing. First one, I am going to wager on Sebastian Corda 
reaching the quarterfinals here. Now, Corda has had a phenomenal year. He's 23-12 and 12 at just 21 years old. I think that we almost still don't talk about him enough. I mean, here on down the line, we probably talk about him enough, but given the fact that he's up to world number 45 after really only becoming a consistent guy on tour last year, he's come so far. He's got such a beautiful, steady all-around game. And I have said before... I think he will be the best American since Andy Roddick. And I like his draw here. Obviously, he's not a seed, so he doesn't have the benefit of not having to face one of those top 32 guys until the third round. He would have to go through PCB and Opelka to get to the fourth round. But I think those are both winnable matches. PCB is not a guy who his best day is insanely high-level tennis. He's more just a steady guy who will sort of force people to beat themselves and make you generate that pace. I think Korda's steady enough to where he can probably answer that call. He can grind out some of those points as well. Opelka obviously just had a phenomenal run the other week, but I think that Korda is probably the better tennis player right now. He's certainly the more balanced, steadier, all-around guy, and if he can just hold serve consistently, all he's got to do is get a break or two each set or just grind out a tiebreak. And so, I think that's a very winnable match. And then Shapovalov is who he would have to face to get to the quarters. And look, I'm not saying you can expect him to just knock off top 10 guys in the world like it's nothing, but if there's a top eight seed I'd want to draw, it's either Shapo or Casper Rudd. And Casper Rudd's been playing better than Shapo as of late. It's just who has the better resume on heart historically. Maybe it's Shapo, but he's so wildly inconsistent. He's so unreliable. And so, yeah, him winning all three of those matches consecutively is going to be a tall task. That's why it's bold. I don't think that individually, though, any one of those three matchups is an overwhelming thing to ask of him. They would all be impressive wins, but that's what we expect from him. He's an impressive talent. We didn't get to see it at Wimbledon, where he did not have a very good showing, but throughout this year, we've seen it. Dating back to last year, we've seen it, and I am just immensely impressed by this kid, and I think that this is a great opportunity for him. It's not a crazy fast hard court, which I don't think he wants because he doesn't have that kind of super flat, crazy pace in his game. Obviously, it's at his home country, U.S. Open, and so I just think there's a lot of potential there. I will say Lorenzo Musetti is an interesting candidate to make a little bit of a run here as well. He's in the same section as Corda. I just think Corda's the more reliable right now, Musetti is a tremendously talented. I think he has a higher ceiling, but on hard, on U.S. turf, I just think Corda is a little bit better right now, and so I would put my money with him if either of the two were going to do it. I've got another guy who I'm going to bet on to make the quarters, though, who's a little bit higher in the rankings, but still is not among the top 20 in the world, and that is Umber. I think Umber is a guy who I'd like to put my money on to make a quarterfinal run here because He's been hot and cold this year, only 19 and 17 overall. I don't think that's reflective of his talent. I love the guy, the effortless power, just the lefty control that he has on the serve, the drop shot, just incredible shot making. He's a nice fluid mover and he was phenomenal last year. He just hasn't consistently put it all together in that same way this year. I think that can change here. Maybe this isn't the optimal surface for Umber. He is a guy who loves to play in those fast environments. Grass and indoor hard is where he's had his best results. But outdoor hard, I think, is certainly better than clay, which is part of the reason why he hasn't had such an impressive record this year is he didn't do very well on clay, and I don't know that he ever will. But not only do I believe in his talent, he's got a good draw. The seed that he would have to face in the third round is Garin on hard court. I think that's kind of light work. Froombear, I would say he's the favorite there. And then fourth round, look, I'm not going to say this is easy. You'd have to go against Tsitsipas, who's been one of the three or four best players in tennis this year. 
Umbert does lead that head-to-head 2-1, to though. They've had some tremendous battles previously, and there is just a little part of me that maybe isn't that tiny, honestly, that doesn't trust Sitsipas every time out, even though he's been so improved this year, has had a career campaign, didn't do it at Wimbledon, and yes, that's on grass, which is clearly his weakest surface, but he's another guy who has favored indoor hard and clay throughout his career, interestingly enough, and I think he can certainly put up good results on outdoor hard, and he has, but I think that there's a bit of an opportunity there for Bear given the matchup given the resume and the precedent. So I'm going to bet on that. And then I've got one more little Cinderella story here. I think Brandon Nakashima makes it to the fourth round. Is this optimistic? Absolutely. But Nakashima has had an unbelievable year. He skyrocketed up to world number 84 now at just 20 years old. Just another emblem of perhaps some progress in American tennis. I think that he and Korda are doing things at their ages that we haven't seen for many guys as of late. And if you look at the seeds he'd have to face to get here to the fourth round, it's John Isner, who he's already beaten. He's split with him in this U.S. hardcourt swing. And then it's Diego Schwartzman. And that's not an easy task, especially not in best of five, where I think Schwartzman is physically so tough and he's going to hit a heavy, deep ball consistently. That's not going to be an easy one to win. But I do think Nakashima is so solid from the ground. I think his serve is improved. I think he's going to return well. And I think he's got a fighting chance in that one. He's 10-6 and six on the year. He's just playing really good tennis right now. And look, I got to go bold somewhere. I might as well go bold here. And I also just don't feel that Schwartzman has been quite as strong as he was last year. He's had some up and down results in the hardcourt swing. He's been okay. He made the round of 16 in Cincinnati and won one match in Canada and won a couple matches in Tokyo. But he hasn't had that one really impressive run to me, whereas last year I thought he was playing the best tennis of his career, particularly on clay maybe, and his clay court swing was kind of eh this year as well. But I think he's beatable. I think he's very tough, of course, but I think he's beatable. So there are my bold predictions. On top of that, of course, I do have to give a final prediction because it is a grand slam. I think Novak is going to beat Medvedev in four. It's tough to base that off of the most reliable information just because we haven't seen Novak, obviously, in a couple tournaments. There was talk of the minor injury in Tokyo. He obviously just needed some rest. There were a couple of mental breakdowns, it seemed, in Tokyo. All of that is true at the same time. The guy is 21-0 in Grand Slams this year. Every time you've thought, oh, he's getting pushed right now, he just responds so authoritatively that you feel stupid forever questioning him. He's played some of the best Grand Slam tennis. Maybe not overall tennis, because again, he's 17-5 and outside of slams, but he's 21-0 in slams. I just have to see somebody beat him to believe that it's really possible. And it's not going to be the easiest path. Berrettini is not the toughest matchup for him, maybe, because Berrettini has to be so hyper-aggressive and he's going to make mistakes unless he's having his absolute best day. But he's a really good player to be facing in the quarters with how he's been performing this year. And then Zverev, look, just beat him in Tokyo and has kind of been running the sport for a little bit with Novak gone, of course. And then in the final... When it comes to Medvedev coming out, I just think he's the strongest guy on hard on the bottom half. I think he's just phenomenal on the surface, and I trust him more than a Rublev. I trust him more than a Tsitsipas. Rublev finally just beat him for the first time. Props on that, but I think he is the most mentally sturdy, which I'll bet on at a best of five. I think he's not going to beat himself. Obviously, can do everything at such a high level. Attack, defend, serve, return. The guy is just one of a kind in that respect, but... I think 
I would still be foolish to bet on him beating Djokovic. I thought about it at the Australian Open this year. I ended up going with Novak in five. And what happened? Novak kind of just ran over the guy. I don't expect that to happen again. I think it's more competitive. But again, I will not bet on anybody beating Novak in a Grand Slam final in best of five unless it is Rafa Nadal at this point. And basically the same goes for Rafa, but obviously with Novak as the guy I would bet on beating him. I still think that they're in a bit of a different class. And this could be somewhat anticlimactic. I hope, honestly, that Novak does have some really good challengers along the way, that he does get that path that I just laid out, because beating those three, those are real quality wins in succession. I hope that, you know, the Zverevs and the Medvedevs of the world don't flop and disappoint here. I don't expect them to, but you never know with this next gen. What I will say is that no matter what, if he's not beating Rafa Nadal or Roger Federer to do it, it's going to be just a little bit disappointing. And there's just going to be that little bit of what if in your mind about how much more historic it could feel doing it against the guys who obviously were dominating the sport before him, who he had to climb the mountain and get over. And now look at what he's doing, something that neither of them could have ever accomplished and that we haven't seen in the sport in over 50 years. That would be magical. That would be real all-time stuff. But guess what? You complete the Grand Slam, it's all-time stuff no matter what. And I think that we're talking about the kind of thing that cements him as the greatest player of all time. I already believe that he's there. I think that if he pulls off the calendar year Grand Slam and surpasses Rafa and Fed for Grand Slam total right now with so much more time to add to that and clearly being in the best form of all of them, that to me would be a little bit of a nail in the coffin for now. But this is obviously always a fluid conversation and who knows, maybe he comes out and he collapses. I'm not going to bet on it though. I think he's an overwhelming favorite. I think Medvedev is the second best guy in the draw. I think Sitsipas, Rublev, Zverev, they're all intriguing options. Maybe even Berrettini. But I just trust Medvedev the most. I think he's been the second best hard quarter in tennis since 2019. He's been better than Rafa there. He's been better than Zverev there, whoever else you want to throw into the conversation. Like, the guy has had some unbelievable results. He's made a U.S. Open final. He's made an Australian Open final. He's won Masters 1000s. I think he makes another major final here. But I just don't think he gets over the seemingly insurmountable and slams Novak Djokovic. Moving on to the women's side. My bold predictions. First one. I think Naomi Osaka reaches the final without dropping a set. This is very bold because Naomi Osaka has not consistently played on tour for several months at this point and hasn't had the best results when she has been out there. So this is a little bit of blind faith here. But I think her track record at the U.S. Open is obviously outstanding. She's 17-1 there in her last three tries, and she doesn't have the easiest draw. I will admit that. She's got Coco Gauff, Halep, Rybakina, Kerber, Svitolina, all in her quarter of the draw. And then still in that bottom half with her, there's Sabalenka, Azarenka, Jabor, Muguruza. It's very reasonable to say she might have to go from Coco to Svitolina to Sabalenka or Muguruza. Take your pick out of there. And that's not the easiest thing to do without dropping a set. So maybe this is a little bit outrageous. Initially, I thought about making this a joint Barty and Osaka bet and saying that they would both make it to the final while dropping one combined set or less up to that point. And then I thought, I'm a little bit scared about the path for Barty. It's a tough draw. She'll probably have to go Brady in the fourth round, then Sviatek, who I'm a huge fan of, maybe Jessica Pagula in the quarterfinal. One of those two, I would certainly bet on Sviatek. I don't know if she's getting out of that without a scratch. So, I decided to remove Barty and just go all in on Osaka. This is the ultimate talent bet. And look, she's not always the most 
convincingly dominant for seven matches when she is out there winning slams. Sometimes she is in the final, but maybe she loses a easy set to somebody who she's clearly better than on the way there, especially in the first round, second round. She can take a little bit of time to work into a tournament. I'm going to say none of that. I'm going to say she just comes out firing. She makes a statement. She wins her second slam of the year. She reestablishes herself as, I guess you couldn't say the best player in the world because of what Barty has been doing. To me, though, when she's out there, I still think she has the edge for best player in the world, certainly most talented player. So I'm going to bet on that talent here at her best tournament, and I think that she's going to come out and really make a statement, again, get into that final without dropping a set. Bold prediction number two. This one bums me out, I'll be honest. But I'm going to go out and say that there will be no American women in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open for the first time since 1993. That's a very long time. But a lot of this is related to, well, first of all, obviously, Serena not being there, so you don't have your prime candidate to do this. And then also just draws. I think Brady is clearly the best American women here. She is phenomenally talented, especially on a hard court like the U.S. Open, but she'd have to go through Ash Barty to do this. Jessica Pagula, huge fan, but she'd have to go through Sviatek. Coco Goff, obviously, I think is going to be a, a generational player, but she'd have to go through Osaka. And you can look elsewhere and say Anisimova, as much as I want to, she just hasn't been reliable enough as of late. The Sloan Stevens, Madison Keys of the world, sure, they have the upside, but again, reliably, consistently, I'm just not going to bet on it. Obviously, American women's tennis is still in a pretty good spot overall. It's certainly a hell of a lot better than American men's tennis, but I kind of feel like this is a situation where we could look up and there's not going to be any American women very deep into this tournament, which again is crazy. Since 1993, which is the last time there was no American woman in the quarters, the U.S. has averaged 2.3 quarterfinalists per year at the U.S. Open. That's 29% of the last eight on average. That's insane sustained dominance for what has clearly been the best country for women's tennis historically. But this year, I don't know if I see it. Kind of bums me out, but I don't know if I see it. Last bold prediction here, maybe the one I'm least enthused about. I don't know if it's the boldest. I'm going to take Sakari to the semis. To do that, she would have to get past Kvitova and Andreescu. Look, I love Andreescu. I've made that clear many times over, but she just has not been reliable enough for me to bet on her making a deep run. And if she does, it's a win either way because I've been the huge Andreescu person on record. And if she loses to Sakari, well, then great. I'm right here. This is what we call hedging your bets, but it's bold. It's a bold way to hedge my bets, all right? Because, again, Sakari still has to get past Kvitova to get to that point. She has to win her first three matches. So this is not an easy task whatsoever. However... I think she is a player who is better than her ranking. We saw her make the semis at the French. As far as career head-to-head -head goes, she's 2-3 and three versus Kvitova. She's beaten her before. The only time she faced off against Andreescu was in Miami this year. It was a third-set tiebreak, highly competitive. So it's always tough in women's tennis right now. You never know who it's going to be, who slips up, who loses in the first or second round because there's always a good portion of the top players in the world who do that. Maybe Sakari has a rough go at it. I'm going to put my money in on her, though. I think that I've been on the record as being a Sakari fan. I enjoy her game, and I think that she's going to be able to show why here at the U.S. Open. So there are my bold predictions. My final prediction is that Osaka beats Barty in three, 
They've played four times in their careers. They've split the head-to-head two apiece. We haven't seen them play each other in a couple of years. I think this would be a very interesting matchup stylistically. I think that Barty would put a lot of pressure on Osaka. We might see a lot of cross-court slice backhands, and so we might need to see a more patient Osaka than we normally do. Barty is tremendous at varying the pace. She's just so steady. She's so tough to beat. She grinds up her opponents like it's nothing, and she's been the best player in the world this year. I just think at the U.S. Open, if Osaka is on, nobody's beating her there, and I'm going to bet on that. I think this would be a battle, but I feel like I made the mistake last year of betting against Osaka and putting my money with the more reliable, steadier player in Azarenka. I think I picked Azarenka to win that match. I'm not totally positive. At the very least, I thought she had a really, really good chance to do it. And Barty is certainly a better version of that player. I think she's more complex, stronger all around, in better form this year for sure. But I just think Osaka at the U.S. Open might be starting to build a little bit of a dynasty here. And I feel like this is a tournament where she just needs to reestablish herself in the sport because of, obviously, her absence and her inconsistency over the past few months. So that's what I'm going to bet on. Maybe it's wishful thinking because I think that would be a very interesting outcome. And I totally want to see the two best players in the world square off in the finals. Sure, Sabalenka may be world number two right now. If you think she's better than Osaka, I'd like to have a word with you. And so that would be very fun. That would be very exciting. So there you have it. I have, in my opinion, the two best players in each draw in the final. Medvedev is the number two player in the world right now. Osaka, again, just lost that title to Sabalenka, but I think is clearly better. I think that you have the two best hard quarters in the world in both situations, and this would be great. I would be very happy if it played out this way. Are my bold predictions all going to be correct? Yes, I will go six for six, like I'm Michael Jordan, and I will like it, and you will all laugh hysterically because you put money on it, and you're now all millionaires. So there you have it. There's my U.S. Open preview. Very excited to see how this all goes down. Can't wait to get to it. The history that is at stake. I mean, if Novak Djokovic actually goes out there and wins this thing, we are going to have an episode of this podcast like we have never had before because that will be a moment in tennis like I have never seen in my life. And there have been lots of moments throughout the short yet brilliant history of this podcast, however long it's been, little over a year and a half now, in which we have marveled at the greatness of Novak Djokovic. This, even with a diminished draw without Rafa or team or Fed, although Fed wasn't going to be a contender here no matter what, this would still be in a class of its own because of just the collective achievement that it represents. So there you have it. There's what I'm looking for. There's what I'm expecting. Cannot wait to get to it and watch some tennis as always. And with that, I've been Carson Brabber. This was Down the Line. Hope you've enjoyed.